0: Part 1. Chapter 5. Of the History of the Devil. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The History of the Devil by Daniel Defoe. Part 1. Chapter 5. Of the Station Satan Had in Heaven Before He Fell the nature and origin of his crime, and some of Mr. Milton's mistakes about it. Thus far I have gone upon general observation in this great affair of Satan and his empire in the world. I now come to my title, and shall enter upon the historical part as the main work before me. Besides what has been said poetically, relating to the fallen wandering condition of the devil and his host, Which poetical part I offer only as an excursion, and desire it should be taken so. I shall give you what I think is deducted from good origins on part of Satan's story in a few words. He was one of the created angels, formed by the same omnipotent hand and glorious power, who created the heavens and the earth, and all that is therein. This innumerable heavenly host, as we have reason to believe, contained angels of higher and lower stations, of greater and lesser degree, expressed in the scripture by thrones, dominions, and principalities. This, I think, we have as much reason to believe, as we have, that there are stars in the firmament, or starry heavens, of greater and of lesser magnitude what particular station among the mortal choir of angels this arch seraph this prince of devils called satan was placed in before his expulsion that indeed we cannot come at the knowledge of at least not with such an authority as may be depended upon but as from scripture authority he is placed at the head of all the apostate armies after he was fallen we cannot think it in the least assuming to say that he might be supposed to be one of the principal agents in the rebellion which happened in heaven and consequently that he may be one of the highest in dignity there before that rebellion the higher station the lower and with a greater precipitation was his overthrow and therefore those words though taken in another sense may very well be applied to him. How art thou fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Having granted the dignity of his person, in the high station in which he was placed among the heavenly host, it would become then necessarily to inquire into the nature of his fall. And above all, a little into the reason of it, certain it is, he did fall was guilty of rebellion and disobedience the just effect of pride sins which in that holy place might well be called wonderful but what to me is more wonderful and which i think will be very ill accounted for is how came seeds of a crime to the rise in the angelic nature created in a state of perfect unspotted holiness How was it first found in a place where no unclean thing can enter? How came ambition, pride, or envy to generate there? Could there be offense where there is no crime? Could untainted purity breed corruption? Could that nature contaminate and infect, which was always drinking in principles of perfection? Happy is to me that writing of history not solving the difficulties of Satan's affairs. Is my province in this work, that I am to relate the fact, not give reasons for it, or assign causes, if it was otherwise, I should break off at this difficulty, for I acknowledge I do not see through it. Neither do I think that the great Milton, after all his fine images and lofty excursions upon the subject, has left it one jock clearer than he found it. Some are of the opinion, among them the great Mr. B underscore underscore S, that crime broke in upon them at some interval, when they omitted but one fixing their eyes and thoughts on the glory of the divine face to admire and adore, which is the full employment of angels. But even this, though it goes as high imagination can carry us, does not reach it nor to me, make it one jot more comprehensible than it was before. All I can say to it here is that so it was. The fact was upon record, and the rejected troop are in being, whose circumstances confess the guilt, and still groan under the punishment. If you will bear with a poetic excursion upon the subject not to solve but to illustrate the difficulty take it in a few lines thus thou sin of witchcraft first born of crime produced before the bloom of time ambitions maiden sin and heaven conceived and who could have believed defilement could in purity begin and bright eternal day be soiled with sin tell us sly penetrating crime how camp shall there thou fault sublime how didst thou pass the adamantite gate and into spirit thyself insinuate from what dark state from what deep place from what strange uncreated race Where was thy ancient habitation found? Before void chaos heard the forming sound. Wast thou a substance or an airy ghost? A vapor flying in the fluid waste of unconcocted air. And how at first did thou come there? Sure there was once a time when thou wert not. By whom wast thou created and for what? Art thou esteem from some contagion damp exhaled? How should contagion be entailed? On bright, seraphic spirits and in place, Where all supreme and glories fill the space. No noxious vapor there could rise, For there no noxious matter lies. Nothing that's evil could appear, Sin never could serific glory bear the brightness of the eternal face, which fills as well as constitutes the place. Would be a fire too hot for crime to bear? T'would calcine sin or melt into air? How then did defilement enter in? Ambition, thou first vital seed of sin thou life of death how camp'st thou there in what broad form did thou'st appear in what seraphic orb did thou'st arise surely that place admits of no disguise eternal sight must know thee there and being known thou soon must disappear but since the fatal truth we know without the matter whence or manner how Thou high superlative of sin, tell us thy nature, where thou didst begin. The first decree of thy increase, debauched of regions of eternal peace, and filled the breast of loyal angels there, with the first treason and infernal war. Thou art the high extreme of pride, and dost, O lesser crimes, preside not for the mean attempt of vice designed, but to embroil the world and damn mankind. Transforming mischief now hath thou procured that lost that ne'er to be restored and made the bright seraphic morning star in horrid monstrous shapes appear, Satan that while he dwelt in glorious light was always then as pure as he was bright, that in infulgent rays of glory shone, excelled by eternal light by him alone, distorted now, and stripped of innocence, and banished with thee from the high preeminence, how hast the splendid seraph changed his face, transformed by thee, and like thy monstrous race, UGLY AS IS THE CRIME, FOR WHICH HE FELL, FITTED BY THEE TO MAKE A LOCAL HELL, FOR SUCH MUST BE THE PLACE WHERE EITHER OF YOU DWELL. THUS, AS I TOLD YOU, I ONLY MORTALIZE UPON THE SUBJECT, BUT AS TO THE DIFFICULTY, I MUST LEAVE IT AS TO FIND IT, UNLESS, AS I HINTED AT FIRST, I COULD PREVAIL WITH SATAN TO SET PEN TO PAPER, AND WRITE THIS PART OF HIS OWN HISTORY. NO question but he could let us into the secret but to be plain i doubt i shall tell so many plain truths of the devil in this history and discover so many of his secrets which it is not for his interest to have discovered that before i have done the devil and i may not be so good friends as you may suppose we are at least not friends enough to obtain such a favour of him though it be for public good so we must be content till we come on the other side the blue blanket, and then we shall know the whole story. But now, though, as I said, I will not attempt to solve the difficulty. I may, I hope, venture to tell you that there is not so much difficulty in it as at first sight appears, and especially not so much as some people would make us believe. Perhaps that may help us a little in the inquiry. For to know what it is not is one help towards knowing what it is. Mr. Milton has indeed told us a great many merry things of the devil, in a most formal, solemn manner, till, in short, he has made a good play of heaven and hell. And no doubt, if he had lived in our times, he might have had it acted out with our Pluto and Proserpine. He has made fine speeches both for God and the devil, and a little addition might have turned it, a la modern, into a harlequin, due and diable. I confess I don't know well how far the dominion of poetry extends itself. It seems the butts and bounds of Parnassus are not yet ascertained, so that for, I know, by virtue of their Antian privileges, called licentia poetarum, there can be no blasphemy in verse. As some of our divines say, there can be no treason in the pulpit. But they that will venture to write that way ought to be better satisfied about that point than I am. Upon this foot, Mr. Milton, to grace his poem, and give room for his toe fancy, has gone a great length beyond all that ever went before him. Since Ovid is his metamorphosis, he has indeed complimented god almighty with a flux of lofty words and great sounds and has made a very fine story of the devil but he has made a mere je ne sais quoi of jesus christ in one line he has him riding on a cherub in another sitting on a throne both in the very same moment of action in another place he has brought him in making a speech to his saints when tis evident he had none there. For we all know man was not created till a long while after. And no body can be so dull as to say the angels may be called saints, without the greatest absurdity in nature. Besides, he makes Christ himself distinguish them, as in two several bands, and of differing persons and species, as to be sure they are. Stand till in bright array, ye saints. Here stand, ye angels. Par Lost Lib, 6, fo 174. So that Christ here is brought up in drawing up his army before the last battle, and making a speech to them, to tell them they shall only stand by in warlike order, but that they shall have no occasion to fight, for he alone will engage the rebels. Then in embattling his legions, He places the saints here, and the angels there, as if one were the main battle of infantry, and the other the wings of cavalry. But who are those saints? They are indeed all of Milton's own making. Tis certain there were no saints at all in heaven or earth at that time. God and his angels filled up the space. And tis some of the angels fell, and men were created, had lived, and were dead. There could have been no saints there. St. Abel was certainly the proto-saint of all that ever were seen in heaven, as well as the proto-martyr of all that have been upon earth. Just such another mistake, not to call it a blunder, he makes about hell, which he not only makes local, but gives it a being before the fall of the angels, and brings it in opening its mouth to receive them. This is so contrary to the nature of the thing and so great an absurdity that no poetic license can account for it for though posy may form stories as idea and fancy may furnish materials yet posy must not break in upon chronology and make things which in time were to exist act before they existed thus a painter may make a fine piece of work the fancy may be good the strokes masterly and the beauty of the workmanship inimitably curious and fine and yet have some unpardonable improprieties which mar the whole work so the famous painter of toledo painted the story of the three wise men of the east coming to worship and bring their presence to our lord upon his birth at bethlehem where he represents them as three arabian or indian kings two of them are white and one black but unhappily when he drew the latter part of them kneeling which to be sure was done after their faces their legs being necessarily a little intermixed, he made three black feet for the Negro king, but three white feet for the two white kings, and yet never discovered the mistake till the piece was presented to the king and hung up in the great church. As this was an unpardonable error in sculpture or limning, it must be much more so in poetry, where the images must have no improprieties, much less inconsistencies in a word mr milton has indeed made a fine poem but it is the devil of a history i can easily allow mr milton to make hills and dales flowery meadows and plains and the like in heaven and places of retreat and contemplation in hell though i must add that it can be allowed to no poet on earth but mr milton nay i will allow mr milton if you please To set the angels a-dancing in heaven, Lib V Fo 138, and the devils a-singing in hell, Lib I Fo 44, though they are in short, especially the last, most horrid absurdities, but I cannot allow him to make their music in hell to be harmonious and charming as he does, such images being incongruous and indeed shocking to nature. Neither can I think we should allow these things to be placed out of time in poetry, any more than in history. Tis a confusion of images which is allowed to be disallowed by the critics of which tribe or species soever in the world, and is indeed unpardonable. But we shall find so many more of these things in Mr. Milton that really taking notice of them all would carry me quite out of my way. I, being at this time not writing the history of Mr. Milton, but of the devil. Besides, Mr. Milton is such a celebrated man that who but he that can write the history of the devil dare meddle with him. But to come back to business, as I cautioned you against running to scripture for shelter in cases of difficulty, scripture weighing very little among the people I am directing my speech to, so indeed scripture gives but very little light into anything of the devil's story before his fall and but to very little of it for some time after. Nor has Mr. Milton said one word to solve the main difficulty, viz. how the devil came to fall and how sin came into heaven. How the spotless, seraphic nature could receive infection. Whence the contagion proceeded, what noxious matter could emit corruption there. How and whence any vapor to poison the angelic frame could rise up or how it increased and grew up to crime. But all this he passes over, and hurrying up that part in two or three words, only tells us his pride had cast him out of heaven with all of his host of rebel angels by whose aid aspiring he trusted to have equaled the Most High. Lib I foe three. His pride! But how came Satan, while an archangel, to be proud? How did it consist that pride and perfect holiness should meet in the same person? Here we must bid Mr. Milton good night, for in plain terms, he is in the dark about it, and so we are all. And the most that can be said is that we know the fact is so, but nothing of the nature or reason of it. But come to the history, the angels fell, they sinned, wonderful, in heaven, and God cast them out. What their sin was is not explicit, but in general tis called a rebellion against God. All sin must be so. Mr. Milton here takes upon him to give the history of it, as particularly as if he has been born there, and come down hither on purpose to give us an account of it. I hope he is better informed by this time. But this he does in such a manner as jostles with religion, and shocks our faith in so many points necessary to be believed that we must forbear to give up to Mr. Milton, or must set aside part of the sacred text, in such a manner as will assist some people to set it all aside. I mean by this, his invented scheme of the son's being, declared in heaven to be begotten then, and then to be declared generalissimo of all the armies of heaven, and of the father's summonings all angels of heavenly hosts to submit to him and pay him homage. The words are quoted already, page 32. I must own the invention indeed is very fine. The image is exceeding magnificent, the thought rich and bright, and in some respect truly sublime. But the authorities fail most wretchedly, and the mistiming of it is insufferably gross, as is noted in the introduction to this work. For Christ is not declared the Son of God, but on earth, tis true, tis spoken from heaven, But then tis spoken as perfected on earth. If it was at all to be assigned to heaven, it was from eternity, and there indeed his eternal generation is allowed. But to take upon us to say that on a day, a certain day, for so our poet assumes, Lib v. Fall 137, when on a day, on such a day, as heaven's great year brings forth, the empyreal host of angels by imperial sums called, forwith from all the ends of heaven appeared. This is indeed too gross. At this meeting he makes God declare the Son to be that day begotten, as before. Had he made him not begotten that day, but declared general that day, it would be reconcilable with the scripture and with sense. For either the begetting is meant of ordaining to an office, or else the eternal generation falls to the ground. And if it was to the office, mediator, then Mr. Milton is out in ascribing another fixed day to the work. C. Lib. X. Fo. 197. But then the declaring him that day is wrong chronology too. For Christ is declared the Son of God with power, only by resurrection of the dead. And this is both a declaration in heaven and in earth. Rome I. 4. And Milton can have no authority to tell us There was any declaration of it in heaven before this, except it be that dull authority called poetic license, which will not pass in so solemn an affair as this. But the thing was necessary to Milton, who wanted to assign some cause or original of the devil's rebellion. And so, as I said above, the design is well laid. It only wants two trifles called truth and history. So I leave it to struggle for itself. This ground plot being laid... He has a fair field for the devil to play the rebel in, for he immediately brings him in, not satisfied with the exaltation of the Son of God. The case must be thus. Satan being an eminent archangel, and perhaps the highest of all the angelic train, hearing the sovereign declaration that the Son of God was declared to be head or generalissimo, of all the heavenly host, took it ill to see another put into the high station over his head, as the soldiers call it, he perhaps thinking himself the senior officer and disdaining to submit to any but to his former immediate sovereign, in short, he threw up his commission, and in order not to be compelled to obey, revolted and broke out in open rebellion. All this part is a decoration noble and great nor is there any objection to be made against the invention because a deduction of probable events but the plot is wrong laid as is observed above because contradicted by the scripture account according to which christ was declared in heaven not then but from eternity and not declared with power but on earth these in his victory over sin and death by the resurrection from the dead So that Mr. Milton is not orthodox in this part, but lays an avowed foundation for the corrupt doctrine of Arius, which says there was a time when Christ was not the Son of God. But to leave Mr. Milton to his flights, I agree with him on this part. viz., That the wicked or sinning angels, with the great archangel at the head of them, revolted from their obedience, even in heaven itself that satan began the wicked defection and being a chief among the heavenly host consequently carried over a great part with him who altogether rebelled against god that upon this rebellion they were sentenced by the righteous judgment of god to be expelled the holy habitation this besides the authority of scripture we have visible testimonies of from the devils themselves their influences and operations among us every day of which mankind are witnesses in all the merry things they do in his name and under his protection in almost every scene of life they pass through whether we talk of things done openly or in masquerade things done in or out of it things done in earnest or in jest but then what comes of the long and bloody war that mr milton gives such a full and particular account of and the terrible battles in heaven between Michael with the royal army of angels on one hand, and Satan with his rebel host on the other, in which he supposes the numbers and strength to be pretty near equal, but at length brings in the devil's army upon doubling their rage and bringing new engines of war into the field, putting Michael and all the faithful army to the worst, and in a word defeats them? For though they were not put to a plain flight, in which case he must, at least, have given an account of two or three thousand millions of angels cut in pieces and wounded. Yet he allows them to give over the fight, and make a kind of retreat, so making way for the complete victory of the Son of God. Now this is all invention, or at least a borrowed thought from the old poets. And the fight of the giants against Jupiter, so nobly designed by Ovid, almost two thousand years ago and there twas well enough but whether poetic fancy should be allowed to fable upon heaven or no and upon the king of heaven too that i leave to the sages by this expulsion of the devils it is allowed by most authors they are ipso facto stripped of the rectitude and holiness of their nature which was their beauty and perfection and being engulfed in the abyss of irrecoverable ruin, tis no matter where, from that very time they lost their angelic beautiful form, commenced ugly frightful monsters and devils, and became evil doers as well as evil spirits, filled with a horrid malignity and enmity against their maker, and armed with a hellish resolution to shew and exert it on all occasions retaining however their exalted spirituous nature and having a vast extensive power of action all which they can exert in nothing else but doing evil for they are entirely divested of either power or will to do good and even in doing evil they are under restraints and limitations of a superior power which is their torment and perhaps a great part of their hell that they cannot break through End of part one, chapter five, recording by Matthew Newell.